0: Chapter Sixteen of Ned, Bob, and Jerry at Boxwood Hall. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Ned, Bob, and Jerry at Boxwood Hall by Clarence Young. Chapter Sixteen A Collision astonishment and chagrin were plainly written on the faces of the midnight revellers the proctor stood looking at them with a mocking smile it had been some time since he had made such a haul as this captured so many violators at once for themselves the boys said nothing there was nothing they could say they had been caught with the goods and there had been so little warning that none of the food could be slid under beds or desks "'gotten out of the way in the fashion best adapted to the circumstances. "'Remember, Slade, Baker, Hopkins. "'Report to me directly after chapel in the morning,' the proctor went on. "'I have the names of the others, and their cases will be considered separately. "'Leave now.' "'Ingloriously the guests slunk away, the proctor watching them go. "'Then, with a curt nod to Bob, ned and jerry he left them to clear away the remains of the feast though there was not much uneaten as may well be imagined as the echoes of the proctor's feet died away down the corridor jerry shut the door and turned his face to his companions well what do you think of that he asked i think mighty little of it ned remarked sarcastically mighty little how'd he get in on us so quickly bob demanded as he stood with spoon in hand over the chafing-dish containing the second smoking welsh rarebit almost ready to be spread on the toast wasn't the door locked sure it was jerry answered but he opened it with a key as soon as he knocked only for that we might have had time to get the lights out and some of the stuff hid that's right agreed ned it was tough luck all right Puzzling over how their natural enemy had thus been able to steal such a silent march upon them, wondering what the outcome would be, and not a little abashed at the inglorious outcome of their first entertainment, the three boys cleared away the remains of the feast and tumbled into bed. But with all their troubles, their sleep was not interfered with, and they awoke as usual in the morning with just a few minutes left in which to slip somehow into their clothes and rush to chapel getting in with a number of other latecomers, just as the doors were closing. It is to be feared that the minds of Bob, Ned and Jerry were very little on the devotional exercises and singing, this state of feeling being shared by the other culprits who did not have a very pleasant prospect before them. "'Wonder what proxy will do to us?' mused Bob, as, with his two chums, he walked toward the office of the proctor. "'He's pretty fierce, I hear,' remarked Ned. "'I like the looks of him,' declared Jerry. "'He's got a good eye, and he must remember that he was young once himself.' "'It doesn't take some of them long to forget it,' said Bob. "'Well, I guess we can take our medicine.' The proctor received them gravely, grimly, and with half a smile at their predicament. "'Beyond a cool good-morning,' he said nothing as he accompanied them to the office of Dr. Cole, a white-haired, scholarly-looking gentleman, the ideal college president. "'Jerry fancied there was a commiserating look on Dr. Cole's face as he glanced at the boys. "'He must have known what they were there for. "'And if he did not, the proctor was not slow in giving the information. h hmm, yes, more midnight lunches, eh?' said dr cole musingly yes you are right mr thornton the practice must be stopped i am sorry young gentlemen but you know the rules you will be deprived of liberty for a week and do the usual number of extra lines of virgil and don't let it happen again jerry fancied there was a smile under the beard of the president but perhaps he was mistaken being deprived of liberty meant that the luckless ones would not be allowed off the college grounds nor allowed to go to the village to go voting in short to be prisoners of a sort and the writing of the extra latin lessons was a task in itself it was stiff punishment and the boys realized it the proctor smiled grimly at them what did you fellows get asked bob of some of their guests when they were comparing notes later in the day just lines answered chet randall meaning that they had only to write out some extra latin the givers of the feast were thus punished more than the guests which perhaps was worked out on a theory that those who provided the entertainment had put temptation in the way of others say i wonder how he happened to hear about what we were doing asked bob i'm sure no one saw me smuggle the eats in and we had everything dark added ned oh i guess thorny has his own ways of finding out contributed jerry what gets me though is how he happened to have the key to my room i thought i had the only one there was and it's a patent lock an ordinary key wouldn't open it did he ever do that before when he busted up a spread open the door and walk in i never heard of it said newt ackerson a senior he always knocked and demanded admission "'then there was time to slip the stuff away and jump into bed.' "'I have an idea how he might have got hold of a key,' said George Fitch, "'and also how he happened to know all about what was going on.' "'How?' inquired Jerry. "'Well, you know how Frank Watson used to have the room where you are, Jerry. "'He chummed with Bart Haley, and they each had a key.' "'What's that got to do with the proctor?' asked Jerry well frank doesn't like you fellows any too well though why i can't see for the love of sour apples anyhow he's got some grudge against you now what was to hinder him from dropping a hint to the proctor that there was something doing in your rooms last night and also what was to stop frank from slipping the proc the extra key so he could get in and catch you with the goods silence followed the pronouncement of this ingenious theory and then Ned burst out with, That's it. That's how it happened. The sneak. Now go a bit easy, advised Jerry. I'd want plenty good proof before I'd believe any fellow would squeal on another in that way. And slip a key to the proctor. Well, I believe Frank did it, declared Ned. So do I, concurred George. And while some expressed their belief to that effect, others were doubtful. Ned, however, was firm in his belief that frank was guilty and i'm going to tell him so to his face and offer to punch it for him he declared better be careful advised jerry so had he murmured ned the more the three chums thought of what george had told them the more they became convinced jerry and bob for ned was already satisfied that frank must have reported them it was a mean trick declared ned keeping us in bounds for a week he continued well a week will soon pass and we did have a good feed returned bob philosophically the idea spread through the college as such ideas will that frank was the informer and he did not take the trouble to deny it the three crestville chums learned more about him than they had known before for one thing they found out that frank was studying zoology under professor Snodgrass, though the student confided to his friends that he fairly hated the study. "'Then what makes him take it?' asked Jerry. "'Well, it seems his stepfather wanted him to. Frank is very fond of his stepfather and does everything he asks, even to that. He's quite a different boy since his mother married again. It was a good thing for Frank.' "'Well, I'm glad he likes somebody, even if it's a stepfather,' said Ned. The punishment week passed, though it was the longest our three heroes had ever known and finally they were restored to liberty and now for a trip on the lake exclaimed ned we'll make the old nebo hum let's go down to simpson's and have a good feed proposed bob thorny can't molest us there and once again bob's chums found no fault with his proposal to eat the boys hurried down to the boathouse and soon had their craft out on the sparkling lake, inviting a few of their friends to go with them. Simpsons was another boathouse some miles from the college and a recognized student's rendezvous. Ned, Bob, Jerry and their guests found several gay parties gathered at the resort, and one of the parties was made up of Frank Watson, Bart Haley and Bill Hamilton. "'There's a sneak now,' murmured Ned, "'I've a good notion to tell him what I think of him.' "'No, you won't,' said Jerry calmly. "'Don't make a scene.' "'As the Naboyi was approaching the college boathouse after the spread, "'Ned, who was steering, saw the Avis, which was Frank's boat, "'also heading toward the landing-place. "'Look out, you don't run into him,' cautioned Jerry. "'It's his place to look out,' returned Ned. "'I'm on the right course.' "'The motorboats came closer together and it was seen that the avis was headed directly for the Naboye. look out where you're going cried bob frank who was steering gave no sign that he heard he kept on his course steer out ned ordered jerry he's too headstrong to give in ned was angry but not foolish and he swung the wheel over but it was too late the avis which had not swerved came swiftly on and her sharp bow struck the neboyis squarely amidships cutting a deep gash and dangerously careening the craft of our heroes End of chapter sixteen